1: My name, of course, is Andrew Freeman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Usage Koshal. We record this episode on Thursday, August 31st here, and uh, by the time this episode is out, you say, the month of August will be through. We're going to be in, in the month of September. Uh, week one is ahead of us. It is a really exciting time here um, as we transition from the preseason uh, to the start of the regular season. Um you know they're not going to be any games this week obviously uh college football starting up which is a really exciting thing coming up we we had just had week zero week one is starting uh this upcoming weekend so a lot of it's kicking into gear which is really exciting uh but before we get into the topic of today's episode you said uh how are you doing today man
2: yeah i'm doing well you're right i mean there is pretty much football is essentially back at this point you know you had a couple college games last week, Caleb Williams and USC making their regular season debut. Everything kind of gets into full swing this week and then before you know it, you know, we're going to be sitting in front of our couches on Monday night watching the Monday night college game and then 2 days later we're going to be talking about Lions versus Chiefs. So it's pretty much here.
1: Yeah, by the way, that that Caleb Williams throw in that first game and just man. He, he's something else. I can't wait to talk about him a little bit more as we get deeper into the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, football, it's it's all the way back here. I got like all my fantasy football drafts lined up this upcoming weekend. Um, hopefully there's no injuries that happen over the course of that time between this, the drafts and the start of the regular season. You'd hope not. But yeah, I'm just ready for the season to really start here. And um, before we get to the season, obviously, let's talk about some of the events that have happened over the past week, and what happened over the past week is, yeah, we had another preseason game, the final preseason game for the Bears, and their uh lost to the Buffalo Bills. Um, but more importantly, uh, the Bears cutting down to fifty-three to their fifty-three-man roster ahead of the season. Here, uh, there were a lot of a lot of moves that the Bears made to make the final cutdowns here. Obviously, when you go from ninety guys on your training camp roster to fifty-three guys plus, you know, a practice squad, you know, there there is going to be quite a bit of turnover there. Uh, And the Bears were very active in this uh, just entire 53-man roster period. So before we get into any specifics here, what are some of your main takeaways from uh, just this entire last week or so, you said?
2: Yeah, it's all just been this major whirlwind. And if I'm going to be honest, I mean, this is a roster where, you know, the Bears clearly went ahead and through roster cuts, but also, just waiver wire and via the trade market, they went ahead and pretty much said, okay, we know that we have a really young team. We know that we have this young roster that's ready to compete. One of the youngest in the NFL. But if you look at the Bears waiver wire cuts, and then you look at the trade that they made for offensive lineman Dan Feeney, it was very clear that this team and this front office was trying to figure out how do we add more veteran experience and veteran depth to a roster that quite frankly, does not have a lot of it at all. And that's where you get the guys like Trent Taylor, the punt returner coming in, Dan Feeney coming over from the Miami Dolphins. And then you look at the defensive side of the football while well, they went out and they signed Khalid Kareem. So it's a situation where the additions and subtractions the Bears made were kind of predicated on being able to add veteran depth and really look for well-rounded players that could contribute in multiple facets of the game.
1: Yeah, let's talk about those additions because I think that's going to be a major storyline heading into the start of the season. I think we can start with, uh, I guess, like the one trade that the Bears made. They sent a six-round pick over to the Miami Dolphins for Dan Feeney, who – um, he's been around the league for for quite a bit here. He was a four year starter, former second round pick of the Los Angeles now Los Angeles Chargers. They were in San Diego uh, when he was there, um, but he was a four year starter for them at, at uh, the guard position in the second round. Uh, played for the Jets over the last few seasons. The Miami Dolphins actually signed him this past offseason, um, and they're making a decision. You know, after seeing him in training camp, to trade to the Bears here. Um, You know, I I have some mixed feelings about this trade. You say, obviously, it does speak a lot to um, the Bears' offensive line depth right now. Um, But what are your kind of takeaways on that trade, and what are your thoughts on it um, overall?
2: Honestly, I was a bit surprised that the Bears went ahead and even pulled the trigger on a trade, especially considering the fact that this team doesn't have a 6th or a 7th round pick going into the 2024 draft. And I understand people have made the argument of, well, you could just go ahead and trade down and kind of all that sort of stuff. And again, that's all warranted. I mean, your 6th and 7th round picks are effectively just, pocket change at that point but the Dan Feeney trade sticks out to me in a positive sense because you do have a player that's played for a handful of different teams the Chargers the Jets now the Dolphins started you know over 50 games which again bodes really well for a starting offensive line that quite frankly does not have a ton of experience starting together so from a veteran perspective he's able to come in and hopefully he can just coach up the younger guys like Jatiri Carter or Larry Borum help them kind of come along at a faster pace but then again the major downside of it is that this is a trade that needed to be made because the two starting guards Nate Davis and Tevin Jenkins have been out consistently over the last month or so and there's been very few instances where going back to the end of July when the Bears reported to camp, where we even saw Jenkins on the left side and Davis on the right side, both participating and both completely healthy. And you look at the Tevin Jenkins news with him going on short-term injured reserve, being out for the first four games. I mean, that signals to me that in the short term, as well as in the long term, like it's time for Tevin Jenkins to basically enter into a year and a half of his career where he's really going to have to prove himself between 23 and 24 to warrant getting a second contract in Chicago. And the positive side of that is this regime isn't just going to hand out contracts to someone that they believe in based off a small or very limited sample size. And then you look at Dan Feeney and Jatiri Carter, a couple guys who, Again, Jatiri Carter has not played football at a high level in this league, but he did flash in preseason, so he earned himself a roster spot. With Dan Feeney, I mean, that veteran experience is too valuable for the Bears to pass up on, and quite frankly, it's more valuable than a six-round pick.
1: Yeah, there's a funny quote uh, from Justin Jones, who was a teammate of Feeney in, uh with the Chargers, and he said that, uh, Feeney, he loves football and he loves beer. Which, if you look at Feeney, you know he's got the the classic mullet. He just looks like a guy that um, <laughs> he's like a guy he's not afraid of the party. I mean, there, there's some some videos of him when he's in New York uh, where he's he's chucking beers at uh, hockey games and whatnot. So he's he's definitely seems like a fun personality, um, and he seems like he's got that that nasty fun uh, offensive line. Personality that you want to have in your offensive lineman. Uh, now, in terms of what they're getting with the player, like, like if you look at the good, um, like you said, he's he's a very experienced player. Uh, he's played center and both guard spots, so he can play all three interior positions. So the versatility, you like that there, and he's a good fit for what they want to do on offense. He's a he's a very athletic offensive lineman who's a best fit in that outside zone scheme where you can get on the move a little bit, and you know, not not the biggest, you know people mover type of guy in like power schemes or inside zone or whatnot. But get him on the move. I think that's where it, where his best attribute is as a run blocker. Now, the, the negative sides of that is that Dan Feeney hasn't been particularly good in his career so far. Like I'm just – and again, PFF, they, they're not like perfect or anything when it comes to their PFF grades, especially for offensive linemen. But you just go down the line here. Uh, 2017, he was drafted as a rookie, 60.8 grade, which for a rookie is pretty solid. You know, pretty average. You know, starter right there is what you're looking at. But then 2018, 49 grade, 2019, 51 grade, 2020, 48 grade. That's his last year as a full time starter. So, you know, some, some pretty rough stuff there for him uh, when he's a full time starter. He had a pretty good, pretty good year for the Jets in 2021 though, but he only played like. 184 snaps or like four games, basically. is what you're looking at. And then last year he barely played, um, but it was more of the same for him in, in terms of his uh, production there. So yeah, Fe- Feeney, you know, I, I'm not too excited about it. To me, it speaks more to like the desperation right now of where they're at with their interior guys. Like you mentioned, like Tevin Jake, going to be out for the first four weeks of the season. You know, they're, they're going to miss him at that left guard spot for sure. Um, you know, you're going to have, Cody Whitehair at left guard, probably, and, and Lucas Patrick filling in at center. But Lucas Patrick, he's been dealing with injuries all training camp. I mean, Nick Davis, like, man, like, when, when isn't he out with some type of injury here and there, right? Um, so it's just like, yeah, they're 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 banged up in, in the middle there, and then even like Doug Kramer, he just went down, I think, on injury reserved as well. So, they're, they're banged up in the interior, especially at that center spot. And Feeney, he offers them some versatility, right? So where he can play center, he can play guard, he knows the system. Um, and, yeah, I mean, and he's going to be cheap, too, for this season. It's only like a one-year deal. No guaranteed money attached. as a minimum contract. So, from that standpoint, I get it. I'm just, I don't know. Like, a six-round pick's not, not much. I get it. Um, and, really, those things are dart throw picks anyway. But, I don't know. Is, is Feeney any better than like, I hate to say it because this guy's like the boogeyman for bears fans, but like, is he any better than like Sam Mustafer? Who's out there as a free agent right now, or, you know, a whole litany of other like replacement level, you know, backup offensive linemen? I don't know. I know a lot. Again, I'm not advocating for the Bears. Like, trust me, I'm not advocating for the bears re-signing Sam Mustafer or bringing him back or anything. Like I don't want to see him in a bears uniform either necessarily, but like, They're similar tiered players in my opinion. So the fact that you're giving up a six-round pick like that, from a value standpoint, it's like, I I don't know. Again, it's a six-round pick, but that part's not great to me. But overall, I think this is kind of like a bigger discussion for their offensive lines in general. Just speaks to the fact that they're a little bit banged up right now. They're not feeling really good about the depth. I would like them to have a little bit more confidence and Jatari Carter to be able to step in at center if he had to. I know he's been playing exclusively right guard in training camp, though. So – you know, what are you going to really do with that? But, yeah, the Bears, they, they've made some other additions on the waiver wire um, as well. And we can t- kind of get to, the to, uh, I think, the most notable ones. Um, when you look at the defensive line, uh, they made a pretty pretty significant um, addition here with the addition of Khalid Kareem, who's been on the Indianapolis Colts uh, over the past two seasons. He's a draft pick by the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. And what's notable here is that they end up cutting Terrell Lewis – to bring in Khalid Kareem. So Khalid Kareem is basically taking Lewis's roster spot here and Travis Gibson's, by the way, um, if you want to mention that as well. So what do you make of the defensive line struffle that's uh, going on with those uh, couple moves?
2: I mean, there's a clear message that this regime is trying to send by cutting Travis Gibson, cutting Troy Lewis, to bring in Khalid Kareem is that, number one, no one on the bottom of the roster is safe, but number two, just because you perform in preseason doesn't necessarily mean that you're guaranteed anything with us, and then number three, we feel as if Khalid Kareem can be a player who's effective in our room of pass rushers, where everybody, again, is required to do something really different. Now, the key thing that sticks out about the Kareem addition to me, and I'm paraphrasing from Ian Cunningham here, but Ian Cunningham, the assistant general manager, pretty much alluded to how the Bears personnel department felt as if Kareem was just a better fit overall in the run and pass compared to Terrell Lewis. Now, the opposite is also the same. And what that is is that if you look at the Bears, I mean – Yannick Ngakwe, we know, is a liability against the run. This is a team that doesn't necessarily have any strong run stuffers. And so naturally, when you bring in a guy like Khalid Kareem, it's never going to put your run defense over the top by any means. But what it does do is go ahead and give you the opportunity to play with a number of guys who you hope are going to be players that can team up effectively together to go ahead and stop the run. And that's ultimately just what is going on here with the Bears. So, Kyle cream's a guy, you know, he's, again, he's young. He's only about 25, 26 years old. You know, certainly fits what the Bears are looking for in a 4 3 defense. If Now, the thing is, he hasn't really been incredibly productive throughout his career, but there is a high motor there that I think the Bears certainly fell in love with, that they're like, we need him compared to a guy who is just going to go out and kind of be close to making plays. We need someone who can be a surefire finisher.
1: Yeah, Kareem's, uh, he's an interesting player. So he's kind of like the polar opposite of uh, Yannick Ngakwe, right, where we talk about Yannick Ngakwe, um, not a guy who's going to defend the run very well, but a very good pass rusher um, and, and has been a very good pass rusher for, you know, ever since he got into the NFL, right, back in like 2016, 2017, or whatever year he got drafted. I think it was 2016 he got drafted originally. Uh, but Khalil Kareem. You know, he's drafted in 2020 as a fifth-round pick, and he just really hasn't played a lot um, throughout his career. Um, you know, he only had 259 snaps in 2020 as a rookie. That went down 110 in 2021. Only 60 snaps last year with the Indianapolis Colts. It's notable for the Indianapolis Colts because they do have some talented players on the defensive line, but it's not particularly like, standout defensive liner things and the fact that he's not earning you know a ton of snaps on these units which are albeit good units for the most part you know it you know he is what he is right he's a rotational player he's a backup you know he's not somebody that's going to come in and like change the entire outlook of your defensive line but what he does do very well is that he is a fantastic run defender on the edge. You know, he's a big body guy. He's like 6'4", 270 pounds. You know, not a great athlete by any means, but he's very strong at the point of attack. He's got good, you know, strong, solid hands to be able to stack in the shed and uh, set a good edge. And so so where I think this ends up, where his role is in this defense is going to be is that, you know, Yannick Ngakwe, he's probably going to be playing more of a rotational pass rusher role. I know the Bears have consistently said that they see him as a three-down player, and I just – I don't buy that. I really don't buy that, right? Because anyone who's watched Yannick Ngakwe's uh, run defense over the years knows that this guy is just a liability on first and second down uh, when you're in obvious run – or not obvious run situation, but when you're in more of a run situations there, and teams are going to target him. Uh, in, in the run game so where kareem is useful is that he can come in on those early downs set the edge very well eat some snaps up on those early downs and defend the run and then you can you know cycle in yannick and to come in and rush the passer um, as a wide nine on you know second and longs and third downs and obvious passing situations so i think from a you know role standpoint i think this makes a lot of sense now you know, from a talent standpoint, I do question a lot of things because, you know, the Bears, they have let go of two guys and Travis Gibson and Terrell Lewis, who have shown some juice off the edge as pass rushers. And you look at the rest of this edge room right now. So the, the edge room for uh, the Bears, you haven't got You got DeMarcus Walker, who's kind of like a hybrid player anyway. You got Dominique Robinson, who, uh, you know, fifth round pick last year for the regime. So they're not going to give up on him just yet. You know, I haven't really seen much from him. In preseason or training camp, to be honest with you, as a pass rusher, and then they brought in Rasheem Green on a one-year deal this off-season. Who, again, I I also haven't really seen much of note from him. So I do find it interesting that they are valuing the run defense aspect of this of this uh, you know defensive end room with Kareem here, but the pass rush. When you look at the rest of this room compared to the guys they've let go, to me, you see it, it kind of leaves a bit to be desired compared to the other options available to them.
2: And you really talk about the other options. I mean, there's no star pass rusher that is available that the Bears can go ahead and trade for. On the open market, you have incredibly slim pickings. Like, the fact that Yannick Ngakwe signed for one-year $10 million, as late as he did into training camp just kind of signals how... Baron, the cupboard was in the open market for these pass rushers, right? It was—it's it, one of those situations where the Bears pretty much waited until the last possible minute to sign Gakwe because they knew that they were going to get him at a significantly cheaper price compared to having signed him three to five weeks earlier. And you're right about Terrell Lewis and Travis Gibson. I mean, again, those are two guys where I wasn't surprised to see Travis necessarily cut just because if you ultimately look at him as a player I mean the reality for that is just very simple is that he's had some flashes here and there but when he was at the University of Tulsa he was playing 4-3 defensive end and then he gets drafted by the Ryan Pace Matt Nagy regime kind of spends 2020 going ahead and um, converting himself into a 4-3 into a 3-4 outside linebacker, and then he goes ahead and now is in a situation where you know he didn't really produce last year, did produce in 2021, but again, it's just never really been enough for him to kind of go ahead and warrant sticking around on the roster. And then you look at Terrell Lewis, yes, he's a player who came in and instantly fans sort of fell in love with, had a really solid camp, but whatever the Bears were thinking here, I mean, They better be darn confident that guys like Rasheem Green and Khalid Kareem and especially the biggest wild card of all is Dominique Robinson, that those guys end up having major breakout seasons for this team to kind of solidify that pass rush because you're right, it does leave a lot to be desired.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Yeah, the, the keeping green um, in general is to me is the biggest one where I kind of just I really question that decision there. And I get it that, you know, this regime brought him in this off season. You know, he the coaching staff, uh, Ryan Poles and, and the scouts and whatnot, they, they seem to really like him. They brought him in for a reason. Um, and, and he's a veteran player who can play a variety of different roles. He can play on the edge. He can play some interior pass rusher. You know, he's got some versatility um, along the defensive line. But I don't know. I just I just haven't seen anything from Green. And say what you want about, like, Gibson or Lewis. You know, those guys have shown some flashes of being really disruptive pass rushers. You know, Gibson, especially during his time and his career, I get it last year was a rough year for him. But you got to keep in mind that last year the defensive line talent for the Bears was so barren that Travis Gibson had to basically be their best defensive lineman. And I'm sorry, like Travis Gibson, as a third or fourth pass rusher, he can be very good. He showed that in 2021 that as a rotational guy where he doesn't have a ton of attention paid by, to him by opposing offenses, that he can come in and be a productive pass rusher for you off the edge. It's, it's a way different ballgame when you're the number one guy and teams that are game planning against you. And look, Trevs Gibson—he's not a great run defender. He's not a very good, uh you know, run defender, um, all-around player, basically. So he's not a guy who's going to be a full-time starter. But again, if you're if you're making him a situational pass rusher, you know the Bears don't really have that guy on the roster unless you're considering considering Yannick Ngakwe to be that rotational pass rusher, so to speak. But again, the, this, this regime has said before that they view him as a three-down player, so that part of it makes no sense to me. Like I thought, I thought to me, Rasheem Green – made the most sense to cut and then keep one of lewis or or gibson like lewis would make a lot of sense as a you know as a project free because he's a former second round pick very talented player coming out who the only question for him was injuries whether he could stay healthy and you look at him play in the preseason this guy's got juice he's got bender on the edge he's got pass rush moves like the bears don't have another guy that can get after the quarterback on this edge group right now and that is extremely concerning even if gibson and lewis aren't great players they do provide a skill set that you don't have right now and that's a guy that can get after the quarterback besides yannick ingakoy so that part of it i I do question it but in terms of uh the kareem addition i do think it's a positive addition i think the bears got better um, from that aspect of having a better run defender on the roster but with that said i mean it's just it's not an exciting move necessarily but you know it is what it is. Um, another waiver claim that the Bears' made was getting Quindell Johnson, safety from the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Um, this is a player that I actually liked quite a bit in the, in the scouting process during this this past draft. You know, nothing, like, overall, like, wows you when you watch him play, but to me he's an all-around, like, decent safety. Um, he's better off, like, playing closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, I don't know if it will be anything more than, like, special teams or – or depth or anything like that, um, but you know the Bears need safety depth, and he kind of can provide that as well. So what are your thoughts on that addition there? What do you think it says about the entire uh, safety room in general?
2: Looking, so going into this season and going into the offseason, I mean, one of my intriguing questions for the safety room was who was going to be the player to step up with DeAndre Houston Carson officially not returning. And you look at the safety room. I mean, Jaquan Brisker's been injured. Eddie Jackson's working his way back from injury. I for sure thought that Kendall Williamson could have been that hybrid safety linebacker type player that this regime just really loves. But he was waived and put on the practice squad. And so now Quendale Johnson has to be that player for the Bears I look at Elijah Hicks, who, again, had a lot of downs last year, but also had some ups. He's a player who, again, really the opportunity was there for him this training camp to seize the moment as backup safety, but he didn't necessarily do so. And so I think Quinndell Johnson, what the Bears are getting, is a much bigger, faster, younger, and also more athletic version of what DeAndre Houston Carson was. I mean, my expectation for Johnson is that he comes in here and he is essentially just a key player on special teams because of some of the experience that he has. He's never going to be this major starter by any means, but he is a player who you can line up at strong safety next to Eddie Jackson because he does play with this fast and physical tenacity.
1: Yeah, and the Bears don't need you know, another starting safety, they have Jackson, they got brisker. They just need some guys that if those guys go down for any reason throughout the year that they need somebody that can come in and play. Right. And Johnson, you know, will he be that much of an upgrade over guys like Elijah Hicks or Williamson, who they just drafted in the seventh round? They just cut AJ Thomas uh, to bring in Johnson. So you could say maybe he's an upgrade over AJ Thomas um, in the short term. But um, I mean, yeah, there's a reason why he couldn't make the the Rams, uh, roster, which is maybe one of the worst defensive rosters in the NFL outside of Aaron Donald. So, with that in mind, I mean, yeah, you do question, like, how impactful is this guy really going to be? But yeah, I like the addition. I thought he was a solid player coming out of Memphis. So, I have, I have no problem with that move right there. And then uh, another move that the Bears made is uh, free agent signing, cut from the Bengals here, getting a uh, return specialist, Trent Trailer, wide receiver. Um, who undersized guy, more of a slot receiver. But the main thing for him here is that the Bears they've been trying to search for a punt returner. They they try to make Felix Jones work in that punt returner role, but clearly that's just it's just not gonna work. The experiment just isn't gonna happen. Um so they bring in Taylor Hugh, who's been a very quietly as a very solid, one of the better punt returners in the NFL over the last, I don't know, year or so. Um, I wouldn't say he's anything like explosive as a player, but he adds an element that the Bears haven't had over the past couple of years, which is that guy that can just be a very reliable you know, return guy for you in the punt game who isn't going to like muff any punts really or fumble the ball or turn the ball over. So to me, you said it, it says a lot about Velas not being able to secure that job, but overall, I do like the addition is kind of like a guy that can step in and have a role.
2: I mean, at this point, there's – So let's talk about the Valus Jones pick and not necessarily the draft pick, but his progression. He was injured at times last year to start training camp during his rookie season. His first actual regular season in the league was just mediocre at best. Going into this year, there were potential for him to kind of grab that wide receiver's four spot, which again, he really didn't end up seizing that opportunity either. And so now the question becomes, What is his real role on the team? Now, if people want the honest opinion from me, I mean, I'm here to tell you that my guess is the Bears. First things first, let's take a step back. And I'm paraphrasing Ryan Poles here, but Ryan came out and basically said, hey, listen, you know, Bayless is a guy that we believe fits our offense. He's a guy that we think can do big things here. He had, you know, a handful of explosive plays last year, which again, ended up being like, one pass of, I think, 40-plus yards late in the season against the Bills on Christmas Eve. But the point is is that Ryan Poles is basically coming out and saying, hey, listen, we still believe in Valus Schoen Jr. And so really going into this year, it's basically put up or shut up time for Valus because he can't find a role in the return game as a punt returner. It's something he massively struggles with. Ryan Poles alluded to how the big play return ability was there in Tennessee and at USC, but he hasn't really found his niche in the NFL. You look at him as a receiver and he's – not going to be your prototypical slack guy. Well, he can be your slack guy, but he can't be the player that, you know, this regime thought he could once be where they were moving him from Z to F to X and having him play multiple different positions. And so the reality of this is just very simple. Is that. Valis is a player who, at the end of the day, is incredibly limited. And so now Trent Taylor's here to go ahead and push him. And the advantage of adding a veteran like Trent Taylor is that you effectively let the fresh meat, a.k.a. Tyler Scott, basically focus on only developing as a wide receiver rather than trying to have Tyler Scott be both a receiver and a returner. If we're going to be honest, I mean... You go back and you watch the tape of Phelous Jones versus Tyler Scott. I mean, my big consensus when going back and looking at both their scouting reports, watching their games in college, is that Tyler Scott, had he been in the 2022 draft, I mean, it's likely that you're talking about him being a late second, early third round pick.
1: Yeah, I'll say, like, Tyler Scott, you can tell watching him uh, return kicks and punts during the preseason that I don't think he's quite uh, comfortable in that role yet. Like, Phyllis Jones, like, for whatever he is as a player, I think he's clearly the more explosive player as a return man compared to Scott, who he's more he's just more of a natural receiver, deep threat type of guy than Phyllis Jones. And, you know, you talk about Phyllis Jones' role in the roster, like, yeah, I, I don't think he's gonna be a, a staple of this offense moving forward. I think that time has really passed outside of him being like a, a gadget guy who can catch, you know, a a jet sweep or a reverse or you know, a screen or something like that to get him the ball in his hands, um, or a design handoff. Like I don't think he's a guy who's gonna be like an actual like weapon in the passing game outside of maybe they'll throw like a deep shot to him here or there. But he's, he's not like a actual receiver. He's just a guy you get the ball in his hands and you hope he can make something happen. And, you know, he is – I will say, to his credit, he was a good kick returner for them last year. But kick returning and punt returning are two different types of things, right? Like they, they're they two different skill sets. Kick returning is about that long speed and it's about making that one cut, that one move to find that crease in, in, the, uh, in the defense and then you just got to explode through that. Where punt returning is about – you know, being secure, being fearless in the back end there to, um, you know, take a hit. And then it's about, you know, short area of quickness, right? And agility, because you're going to have to make guys miss in order to get to that next level um, against the return coverage and make an explosive play there. It's just a, it's two completely different skill sets. And, and Jones just never really has figured out the actual like punt returning skill set side of it. He just doesn't have that, you know, natural ability for that. So the addition of Taylor, who, does have that more of that punt returner style of, of uh, ability makes a lot of sense here. And you know, as far as Vulez is like long term role in the roster, this is working interesting for me because the Bears now they have seven wide receivers on the roster, and only three tight ends. And you would imagine that at some point, you know, they're going to have to make a decision about whether they're going to keep seven wide receivers for the full season or and add an additional tight end, or they're going to go with this, you know, kind of wacky uh, roster construction because you're going to need to get another tight end in the building eventually at some point, I would imagine. Um, maybe not for week one or anything like that. But I do find that interesting because, you know, his wide receiver his wide receiver room right now, like once he gets past the top three, you had Tyler Scott, you got Villas Jones, you got Equinemus St. Brown, you got Trent Taylor. Like all these guys have their role on the team. Who is the most replaceable though? those is, the, I think, the important factor here.
2: Honestly, this wide receiver room, I was a bit shocked to see because what you have is this. Now, I for sure thought going into the season that Dante Pettis, Isaiah Ford, and Equinemius St. Brown were on the roster bubble, and I still truly believe that, but this is a team where – Especially St. Brown and Pettis, they do have that veteran experience. But the reality is simple, is that I don't foresee a situation where Dante Pettis, outside of his punt return abilities, which even I think are incredibly limited, makes... The roster and kind of sticks around long term. I could see a situation where Pettis gets cut at some point during the season because there is a free agent over the next few weeks that ends up hitting the open market. I mean, the tight end room, you know, you're relying a lot on health and potential there. You've got Cole Comed, and again, he is who he is at this point. Robert tunyan is very limited as well on how he plays, his skill set, how he operates. You know, Mercedes Lewis is just kind of another insurance policy at this point and so really for the bears what this comes down to is how do you attack that tight end market and you know the tight end room right now there's not a lot of players on the open market that you look at and you definitely say hey those are guys that could come in it's possible that someone gets cut but I would not be surprised to see them bring in a four tight end, especially with the practice squad not necessarily even being finalized yet. I mean, whoever the bears add to the practice squad, especially at tight end, is going to be very eye-opening and interesting to see simply because you are going to be a player that, you know, you're basically going to see a player who, if you look at the practice squad right now, you know, they've got Steven Carlson who again, this team clearly believes in, but he's not a guy who significantly showed up in preseason. But he did have, you know, again, the one play down the seam in the third preseason game against Buffalo, where he dropped what should have basically been a give me wide open touchdown pass in a preseason game. Like, you don't get more open than that in the NFL. So for Steven Carlson, there's potential, but that matter is just how do you go about cleaning up the mistakes and honing in on the details?
1: Yeah, if they are going to make an addition here, I'll throw out one name who's a, a kind of a draft crush of mine. Is that was uh, Zach Koontz, who was an undrafted free agent, and went to the New York Jets. Just freak athlete, um, you know, really good res- natural receiving ability. And it sounds like he had a pretty good camp with the Jets. It's just that they have such a deep tight end room there that he wasn't able to crack the roster there. I think he signed up for their practice squad. I could be wrong, but I wouldn't mind like saying like, hey, like we need another receiver in the room, like. Cole Komet and Mercedes Lewis are fine, like inline blockers, um, for this room. Let's get, let's get another receiver in here and maybe see if there's any untapped potential with a guy like that. Like I would take a flyer on him. I would just personally, but I don't know. We'll see what happens there with that fourth tight end spot. It's, it is going to be interesting. Um, and as we break this, uh, roster down here, you say, actually, before we get to that, um, you know, we, we mentioned a few of the names that have been added here. Um, but you know, there there were some key guys that were cut. we talked about a couple of them already. Before we break down the roster as a whole, you say any, any like surprise cuts um or any, any notable guys that you want to touch on real quick.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at Travis Bell as well as um Kendall Williamson both being cut. Didn't anticipate that happening. Greg Stoneman Jr., the defensive back, kind of got cut. Well, he was cut along with Michael Baskerville, the linebacker, both of them being cut and then being signed back to the practice squad. You ultimately look at, I mean, I thought that those two were players who had some solid training camp practices as well as just overall performances in the preseason. You know, one guy that I look at and I say, I'm not sure why this guy's even on the roster at this point. Let alone the practice squad is Nasimba Webster. I mean, there's no point in keeping him around. And then, really, for me, the most intriguing name on the practice squad's easily going to be Jalen Hearns, the or Jalen Harris, I'm sorry, the defensive lineman. He plays with a high motor, had, brings a lot of high energy to the table. So there is a lot of intriguing and interesting young talent to watch here. But unfortunately, I mean, those guys are only going to get their shot if someone in the regular season ends up going down. Even that, then it's going to take them time to get up to speed. So this is a practice squad where there's a lot of low-risk, high-reward type of players.
1: Yeah, the Travis Bell um, is interesting putting on the practice squad. That leaves the Bears with four defensive tackles. On their 53 man roster. Now, you could argue that Demarcus Walker and Rasheen Green are kind of pseudo defensive tackles with what they can do on third downs and whatnot. So, you know, kind of a, a minor thing right there. So, yeah, I think those are a couple of interesting things you bring up there. Um, the main takeaway I have from some of the guys that were cut here is that Ryan Poles is further putting his imprint on this roster, on this team. You know, getting rid of some of the old regimes, guys such such as uh, Kendall Vildor getting cut. He actually got picked up by the uh, Tennessee Titans um, as a waiver claim. You know, cutting him and, and replacing him at that quarterback position it was it was always going to be an uphill climb, I think, for him to make the roster given uh, the investment they've made at that position over the last couple of years. And then Travis Gibson, which I, I think he's kind of been a bit of a hot rod topic for um, Bears fans on Twitter because I, I know. Myself included, a lot of Bears fans really do like Travis Gibson as a player and thought that he would have a role on this roster. Clearly the coaching staff going in a different direction here or regime going in a different direction here. We, we touched on this earlier in the podcast, so I don't want to belabor the point too much, but yeah, I mean, this was a bit of surprise. I wouldn't say it was a surprise because it always felt like throughout camp that you know this regime wasn't really giving Travis Gibson a fair shot at winning a job. It always felt like um, they were doing anything in their power to, to find a excuse not to bring him back um, on this roster, um, which if you're watching any, like any of the practices or any of the games, like you watch him play and he's clearly like the best pass rusher they have at that edge spot. I know he's going up against backups most of the time, but like he was just dominating backups, and whether it was in practice, whether it was in games, like, clearly was on a different level from those guys, which is what you want to see from a guy going into his fourth year. And even against when he got a chance against the starters, like he played pretty well against like starting tackles too. So it wasn't just like he was bumslaying against a bunch of guys that aren't going to be on NFL rosters, um, you know, for this season. Like he, he did have some production against, you know, guys that are going to be playing this year in the NFL, but Clearly, this coaching staff, they want to go in a different direction. Like Ryan Pohl cited that, like, the reason why they moved on was because of scheme fit, um, or like, you know, yeah, scheme fit basically, which I don't know. In today's NFL, like, there, there really isn't much of a difference between like 4 3 edges and 3 4 edges, depending on most defenses. Like, they're mostly all the same. Like, nickel is the new base. Like, you're always going to have four down linemen um, most of the time for defenses. Like, so I, I thought that was a pretty weak excuse, in my opinion. I, to me, they just to me it always seemed like a situation where they always were planning on going in a different direction. And I would have rather they just tried to, you know, if they were always going to cut him, like why not just move on from him early in the off season, where maybe you could have gotten a pick or something back for him, or or something like that. I don't know, but he's he's with the Tennessee Titans too. They picked him up. Um, he should he should be playing a pretty significant role as a rotational guy uh, for their their defense there theoretically a better fit as they're more of a 3-4 team which Travis Gibson himself has said that he, he kind of thought that was going to be a better fit for him so um yeah we'll see what happens there but let's go over this roster here and just give our general thoughts here to kind of close out this podcast um, so quarterback the Bears right now have three quarterbacks on the active roster Justin Fields, Tyson Bajant, and Nathan Peterman. Uh, That's the other storyline here, like Tyson Bajant winning the uh, quarterback two job officially, the the Bears cutting P.J. Walker. That's pretty significant. We can get into that here as we go along here. But just to finish this out here, uh, four running backs here, Khalil Herbert, Deontay Foreman, Roshan Johnson, Travis Homer, and then fullback Kyrie Blassingame. Uh, Seven wide receivers, like I said, DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, Tyler Scott, Beals Jones, Equinemius St. Brown, Trent Taylor. At tight end, only three tight ends, Cole Komet, Robert Tunyon, mercedes lewis on the offensive line they have eight on the active roster but also gotta keep in mind they have two on the uh injured reserve right now with tevin jenkins and doug kramer but those eight guys on the roster right now are braxton jones cody whitehair nate davis darnell Wright, jatari carter lucas patrick larry borm and dan feeney and then he goes to the defensive side of the ball uh, on the defensive line uh defensive end you got yanni Ngakwe, demarcus walker dominic robinson Rasheem green khalid kareem Defensive tackle, Justin Jones, Andrew Billings, Javon Dexter, Zach Pickens at linebacker. Uh, You got Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards, Jack Sanborn, Noah Sewell, Dylan Cole. And then in the secondary cornerback, you got Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, Tyreek Stevenson, Terrell Smith, Josh Blackwell, Jalen Jones. And then at safety, Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker, Elijah Hicks, and Quindell Johnson. And then we can't Stop without going over the special teams. Patrick Scales as your long snapper, Cairo Santos as your kicker, and Trenton Gill as your punter. So, overall, going through this entire roster here, any last thoughts here um, before we kind of close things out?
2: You know, I would just say this. I mean, if you were to look at this roster and talk to me about strongest positional groups, I would definitely say that running back and wide receiver are up there. We know what the wide receiver room consists of. You've got Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, as well as DJ Moore. That running back room, I mean, it is a bit of unknowns in terms of Khalil Herbert, Dante Foreman, Roshan Johnson, and Travis Homers. Now, I say unknowns because... We know what some of these guys can do, but also the reality of is we don't know what this backfield is going to look like in terms of how dynamic it is going to be. All three between Herbert, Foreman, Johnson, and then really Travis Homer, who's more of a special teams guy, but the first three, Herbert, Foreman, Johnson, are players that can certainly bring the energy and have home run hitting ability. And then the most intriguing positional route for me is going to be the linebackers. And I say that because you invested a hell of a lot of money into the linebacker room this offseason. You brought in Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. You drafted Noah Sewell. Jack Sanborn being a local kid returns from injury. And so now really the big question kind of becomes is What is Noah Sewell's role going to be? And can Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards, along with Sanborn, but really Edwards and Edmonds, can those two ascend to becoming one of the top linebacker duos in the NFL? Those are going to be the questions that the Bears have to legitimately go ahead and answer. And that linebacker room, I mean, we're, have to be honest, has not been making storylines between Tremaine Edmonds being out, TJ Edwards training camp, Jack Sanborn being in and out, and then the biggest thing of all, Noah Sewell's physicality. It just has not been making headlines the way that it probably should be, and that's because it's been overshadowed by the injuries of the offensive line, the quarterback play, the wide receiver, and as well as the lack of pass rush.
1: Yeah, that linebacker room, you know, on paper, I do think it is the ta- most talented unit on the roster in, certain, in terms of the defensive side of the ball. Um, like you said, like Tremaine Evans, you know, I, I am interested to see, you know, how he plays in this defense because, because clearly he Flus he has a type for what he looks for in linebackers and, you know, again, the Bears. A lot of this was kind of out of their control because they were never going to pay Roquan Smith um, the type of contract that he ended up getting for the Baltimore Ravens. That, that was just, in my opinion, that was just never going to happen, um, based off of what we've seen from Ryan Poles and his tenure so far. Um, but you know, they made the active decision to move on from a guy, like Roquan Smith, who is one of the top three to four linebackers in the NFL, you know, a blue chip player in the NFL. And they took a chance on Tremaine Evans, who, you know, who we talked about it before in this podcast, but was a bit of a one-year wonder, you know, it was a first round pick, obviously the bills. He's been a starter for five years there, but really only put it together for one season last year. And when he did put it together last year, like he was really dang good last year. I, I don't want to take anything away from him there, but clearly he has a type for what he looks for in linebackers, right? He wants big, long, strong, athletic dudes, that can just play all three downs and get after it. And Tremaine Evans kind of fits that mold better than Roquan Smith. So clearly, you know, there is a schematic style preference there that Eroos has in the linebacker room. So I'm curious to see how that plays out between the two. Um, and then, you know, just overhauling the rest of this, uh, this uh, position group as well, when you look at TJ Edwards, who is a very balanced three-down linebacker, um, hometown kid as well, right? Uh, You already had Jack Sanborn who played well for you last year as an undrafted free agent. You brought in Noah Sewell who looked pretty solid um, in the fifth round. He looked pretty pretty solid in the preseason from, you know, when I was watching him out there. Um, And then obviously you have Dylan Cole who is more of a special teamer guy anyway, not going to really factor too much on the field for them on defense. And then offense, like I agree, like wide receiver, it is the most talented room on this Bears roster right now in my opinion. Like D.J. Moore, like – for the preseason games, like he looks like that dude. And I think he's a guy that has the potential to really change the entire outlook of this passing attack. But, you know, Darnell and Mooney would know what he can offer to your offense, especially with his connection with uh, Justin Fields. You have Chase Claypool, who was making plays in training camp before he went down with an injury uh, was looking pretty good there. We know that Tyler Scott, you know, He's got some flashes there. I could Browns, like a fifth wide receiver is fine. And then you got, you know, return specialists in Delis Jones and Trent Taylor. So I think it, that is a very talented, balanced room um, in that wide receiver group. Um, to me, like the, the, the interesting groups here that are really going to like really, I guess, determine the outlook of this season is uh, the trenches here, like defensive line. Like, you know, how are these how, how is this group going to come together, right? Can they figure out the best way to utilize Yannick Ngakwe and some of these other pieces on the edge, right? Can Dominic Robinson take that next step forward as a pass rusher? Um, we know that he's athletic. We know that he was a raw player coming out. But, you know, can he take that year two leap? And so far, like, I haven't been too impressed by him from what I've seen. But... He's a young guy that is still figuring it all out, right? Uh, Demarcus Walker, how does he play now that he's got a bigger role on this team where he's not just a rotational you know, piece for the Titans? Now he's asked to be a full-time starter for you. How is he going to play? And then in the interior, you have Justin Jones and Andrew Billings where I feel like you kind of know what you're getting out of those two guys, but it's the young guys and, and Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens. Like, what can you expect out of these young guys to develop this season? You know Dexter and Pickens; they both had their flashes of good play in the preseason, but they also showed, showed you know, there's definitely going to be some room for growing pains as well in this rookie year. So, how can those guys develop throughout the year? I think the defensive line is a huge question mark for this defense, as well as the offensive line, mostly because of health. Like you look at the starting roster or starting five that we're probably going to get on opening night. You're looking at you know Braxton Jones at left tackle, Cody Whitehair left guard. Lucas Patrick at center, Nate Davis at right guard, um, and then, uh, you know, Darnell Wright at right tackle, you know, how much of an upgrade is that group compared to what you had for most of last season, right? And I think on paper, it does, maybe. It's, it's maybe an upgrade, um, you know, especially at center. Well, I don't even know at center because Patrick and, and Muster for you know, whatever, kind of a toss-up. You know, it, it kind of depends on, like, how is Wright going to do out of the gate here as a rookie right tackle? Can Braxton Jones take a step forward? Can these guys get back healthy? Can Evan Jenkins get back healthy? Um, it, are we looking at Nate Davis maybe as a, as a disappointing signing because so far he hasn't played? You know he's always injured all the time. Like, is that going to be a signing that ends up you know biting the Bears in the butt here this season if he ends up underperforming here? You know we'll end up seeing how that works out for them. I'm certainly hoping that isn't the case, but you know, Nate Davis, he's traditionally been a pretty solid player. So I, you know, we'll, we'll, see what happens there. So those are kind of the two positions where I kind of, you know, they could really flip a coin on the season where, um, if they're, they, if they play above expectations, the bears could be pretty dang good this year. If they're below expectations, then it could be a long year once again. Um, and then, in that also just to kind of wrap things up here, the quarterback position, we know Justin Fields, he's got to take that, that next step forward. Um, uh, we t- kind of alluded to here, but uh, you know, the Bears going in a different direction at backup quarterback with uh Tyson Bajant over PJ Walker. I think that's a good move for the organization. I think Bajant clearly outplayed Walker in the preseason, he looked like the better guy. Um, you're eating some dead money there with PJ Walker to kind of move on from him as a backup quarterback, but you know, overall, I think it's a good opportunity for the D2 UDFA and. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll open the floor to you to get your last thoughts on that, you say, before we wrap it up here. But overall, I thought that was a it was it was a it was a good move for the long term outlook of this franchise. because It shows that Ryan Polls he's not beholden to guys that he brings in or guys that he gives guaranteed money to. Um, he's looking to uh, play the guys that or keep the guys that uh, are going to best play for your football team.
2: Yeah, and that's certainly, too, he is keeping the guys that are going to play real well with his football team. But also the other half of the argument is that you could make a legitimate case for Tyson Darling just kind of being this preseason media darling. And really, once the games get going and the games start counting and defenses are moving at full speed and he's lining up against, you know, All pro defensive ends and defensive tackles and pass rushers and middle linebackers that you are likely going to see him struggle just a bit. Now, he has all the intangibles that you need to play at a high level, pocket poise accuracy, you know, ability to kind of navigate the pocket, complete those short, easy throws. You know, arm is not the strongest thing in the world, but it's certainly serviceable. So it's a situation where, you know, he still needs a lot of time to just sit and develop before he's considered to be a legitimate backup quarterback. And this is, again, the Bears franchise rolling the dice on him big time.
1: Yeah, it is a roll of dice. And e kind of alluded to that they're not necessarily done looking to upgrade that backup quarterback spot. They could bring in another veteran. You know, we'll see what happens here. I certainly wouldn't rule it out. But as far as we know right now, Baychett's the guy, and we'll kind of see, you know, how he does, um, you know, from now on. Like, it's a good story. It's a cool story. Like you said, like, We never know what's going to happen, though, when the real bullets start to fly, right? Like, all of his production has come against second and third-team defenses. How is he going to do against a first-team defense when defenses are game-planning for you and and all that stuff? But hopefully, we don't have to ever worry about that because hopefully Justin Fields, you know, plays well and stays healthy the entire year. Like, that's always a hope, right? And, you know, we'll see what happens there. But overall, um, that's your 53-man roster, Bears fans. You know, we'll see what happens in week one now, but now all of our focus is on preparing for green Bay, which oh man, I can't wait for that game. It's going to be an exciting one, but until next time, that's going to wrap it up for us here at the picks for polls podcast. Make sure to like rate and subscribe um, to us on all of your podcasting platforms, wherever you listen to us here. Um, uh, make sure to follow us on social media as well at picks for polls on Twitter. Uh, you say, where can your listeners find you and find your, find your social media and find your work.
2: Yeah, you can follow me on social media at Usaid Kosho. You can check out my work on the
1: Bear Report. Absolutely, and you can find me on Twitter at AJ Freeman twenty five. You can find my work on the Bear Report as well. Um, like I said before, there's there's no Bears game this upcoming weekend, so it's going to be uh, the calm before the storms. Uh, so to speak. But next week, we're going to have some more college football stuff to kind of talk about here with the start of the college football season. And we're going to be previewing some stuff for the upcoming week one game for the Bears versus Packers. I'm looking forward to it all. It's going to be really exciting stuff. Um, And yeah, football is back. I'm ready, really ready to get to it. But yeah, until next time, Bears fans, have yourself a great weekend and bear down.